We're beginning a new series for the summer called Wisdom for Living, and it's a series out of the book of Proverbs, and uh, there's only one way really to do that successfully, to, to live wisely, and that's you have to develop wisdom. Um, we often, when we come to the Bible, refer to things like the faith of Abraham or the patience of Job or the courage of Elijah. But this morning we want to turn our hearts to the ancient book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And we come to the wisdom of Solomon. And I can just tell you, I've never really opened up the book of Proverbs without finding a little nugget here or there. The book of Proverbs is one of those Bible books that you can actually pay, play a safe game of Bible roulette with. You know what Bible roulette is? God, speak to my heart. Let's see. What, you know, what do you got for me today? Well, if you restrict that to the book of Proverbs, you'll probably be okay. Um, that's, of course, not what we're going to do this morning. But uh, the book is not only wise, but it's also relevant. It's timely. It's constantly up to date, no matter what the subject. And it's very, very, at least for me, convicting. So uh, the wisdom of Solomon doesn't need to remain within the books and on the lines of the book of Proverbs. Hopefully, by the end of the six weeks, you'll find some of that wisdom in your hearts. And for the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at ways that we can apply this basically uh, to every area of your life, your spiritual life, your job, your friends, your finances, and so forth. Uh, We're only going to spend six weeks here, so we're not going to cover everything, but our series... Our source of wisdom for this series is the book of Proverbs. In 1991, um, there was a man by the name of H. Jackson Brown. And he had his son who was going off to college and he wanted to prepare him for the, the, the world. And so H. Jackson Brown decided to write down the most important things that his son would need to know as he prepared for his life in the grown-up world. And he put this advice in the form of a little booklet that he made for his son. And eventually somebody got a hold of that little booklet and they actually published it. And you may have actually seen it. It's called Life's Little Instruction Booklet. And in that little booklet is everything that this father wanted his son to know. Probably it sold millions of copies. Um, But approximately 3,000 years ago, we have King Solomon who did the same thing for us. He was the wisest man, the Bible says, to ever live. Um, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but he compiled a collection of the wisdom that he had accumulated over time, over the years, and he had presented this collection to his son and, and to help him gain and attain wisdom and discipline and to acquire a disciplined and prudent life, Proverbs 1, 1 and 2 says. And so that's the collection that we find in our Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. And this is life's little instruction book for us as believers. And it contains advice for basically getting it together, and somebody said, and then keeping it together as well. Sometimes we're pretty good at getting things together, but we're not too good at at keeping things together. And that's what the book of Proverbs will help us do. Uh, There is a story, just the background, about King Solomon uh, in the Bible. And basically, just paraphrase the story for you, it's, it's uh, found in First Kings. But God appeared to him in a dream. And uh, he said to King Solomon, he said, Ask for whatever you want from me and I'm going to give it to you. 
And Solomon said, give your servant, here's what he said, a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. What was Solomon asking for? Solomon was asking for wisdom. That's what wisdom is. And the Bible says that God was pleased with Solomon's request. Think about it. If, God could, if you could ask God for anything, what would you ask him for? <laughs> a lot of us would probably end on money, right? Boy, I'd ask him for money, or I'd ask him for whatever. And, and so you stop and you think about it. But Solomon was wise. He asked for wisdom. And the Bible says that God was pleased with him. And here he said, Since you have asked for wisdom, Solomon, and not for a long life, or not for wealth, or not for power over your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. Plus... I will give you what you didn't ask for. Wealth, honor, and a long life. So he got everything when he got wisdom. And so that's kind of the lesson of the book of Proverbs. When you have wisdom, you basically have everything. But there's a real need, first point, for wisdom in our life today. Someone said this, the book of Psalms tells us how to get along with God. It helps us with our spiritual life, helps us with our Our devotional life helps us with our vertical relationship with God. But the book of Proverbs tells us how to get along with each other. It's a very practical book. It talks about horizontal living almost on every page. And for those of us sometimes who have conflicts with others, chances are that we're going to find in this book ways to become part of the solution and not part of the problem. Did you know that there's over 180 different types of people represented in the book of Proverbs? Different kinds of people. Some of them include 46 different types of men. Guys, you didn't know there was that many different kinds of men, did you? There's 23 types of women. Several kinds of children mentioned. The volume of the book of Proverbs in the biblical record is basically filled with wisdom that will help us live on the horizontal plane. And uh, we're going to basically just introduce it today and look at some of the practical reasons why God gave us this book and hopefully glean some things why we should study it. But in the coming weeks, we're going to probe a little bit deeper and we're going to look into some basic principles that are very biblical um, and very wise, that if we apply them to our lives, you're going to see that, boy, this, this, they succeeded and they're time-honored things that are helpful to us and they will help us with our lives if we apply them to our own lives. Um, but it's probably, Proverbs has probably been said, it's, it's one of the most practical and helpful books in the Bible. Billy Graham used to read every day, probably still does, five chapters of Psalms and one chapter of Proverbs. And by doing that, through the entire month, he would have read through the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. So it's a good little principle. If you, if you want a simple little devotional thing for every day, read five chapters in Psalms and one chapter in Proverbs. Do one in the evening, one in the morning, and, and see how it goes. You'll get through the book, both books, in one month. Um, but Solomon saw the value of gaining wisdom. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, turn over there with me, if you will, because we see the need for wisdom today in, our, in the world in which we live and even in our own lives Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul writes in verses 15 to 17, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, but as what? Wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be unwise, he says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So it's very important for us to understand today, if, if anything, you look around, you see that the days are evil, right? I mean, and what Paul is saying is, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk down here on earth with each other. Because the days are evil. And time is fleeting. And sometimes, you know, you, you get into situations with people, and you know what? Life's too short for that stuff. We need to put an end to it and just move on. It's, it's just, you know, not worth it. And that's what we're going to find in the book of Proverbs. Too many people are wasting too much time in their lives failing to exercise the wisdom that we see in this book. You know, if you have wisdom, basically you pretty much have everything. I've already said that. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to find and develop lasting relationships. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to say, know what to say and know when to say it, which is key sometimes. If you have wisdom... You'll know how to avoid a lot of misery that people bring on themselves. And you'll know how to maximize your own personal happiness. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to raise your kids the right way. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to sleep at night. Because you won't be dreading the consequences of your actions. Unless you have a husband like me that snores all night, then he probably won't be able to sleep no matter what happens. If you have wisdom, basically you have everything. It even tells us how you can make money and keep it. I mean, it, it, it touches every facet of our lives. Well, where do we get this wisdom? The source of our wisdom, obviously, needs to come from the Bible. As Christians, we believe that. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it tells us very clearly, in verses 16 and 17, why we should go to the Bible for wisdom. It says they're all... Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's the reason we want to turn to God's Word in the book of Proverbs to gain our wisdom, to improve the wisdom that we have. I mean, it's only natural that we should go to God's Word to heed His advice. I mean, stop and think about it. There's really only two sources of wisdom here on this earthly plane. One is trial and error. Have you been there, done that? Okay, I mean, we all have. That, that source basically tells you, you know what? You're not going to really figure it out. You're not going to get any wisdom unless you actually experience things. So some of us choose that way. We decide to go the trial and error method. Rather than go get advice, we're too proud. Or rather than go to God and ask for prayer, we're too ask for His help. We're too too proud. So we just try to figure it out. And how long? Sometimes I think in my own life I've spent trying to figure something out because I was just too stubborn to go ask somebody. Um, and then you find out that you did it all wrong, and you got to go back and you got to redo it. And you're kind of frustrated. You got to redo it, but now you know what you're doing. So it's, it's, it's okay. Have you ever put together those pieces of furniture from Ikea or whatever, you know, they come with all the pins and the, all the sorts of parts and everything? You know, I, I kind of enjoy doing those things, putting them together. But, you know, you put one together and you think, oh, you know, you got this down. You don't need these. What are these directions? You don't use the directions, you know. So you whip the thing open. You start getting the, okay, A, B, C. You get the parts all lined up. You look at the picture. Yeah, I can do this. And you put it together. And inevitably... If you do it that way, at least my experience, I have 
two or three pieces left. It's like, these must be extra. And then, you know, you put the thing, the shelf up, and all of a sudden the shelf is leaning. It's like, whoa. Then you look at the direction. It's like, no, this little pin was supposed to go here. You missed that part. And this little screw was supposed to go there. And the thing ends up falling. You've got to take it all apart and start all over. And then that time you're actually reading the direction step by step because you don't want to miss anything. You don't want to do it a third time. But sometimes that's how we learn, through trial and error. And it's really a waste of time. Not that you can't learn that way. You can. And the other way is you can learn through the proven experience of others, which is probably the better route. In other words, if somebody's put together the cabinet before, say, hey, you put this cabinet, anything I need to know about this? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, don't forget this little part because that's not in the thing. And boy, at the end, and you can learn from the experience of others. And that's only possible if we're willing to heed the advice of others. Proud people don't do well with this. They're not going to heed the advice of anybody. You know, I, yesterday I went out to Jerry's wedding and I, Sam drove. But I had the little, he had a GPS, and I had a little GPS. And so, you know, I was just fixated on this GPS. Okay, it's telling us to do this. It's telling us to go here. It's telling us to go there. And, and I just like that because I don't like to stop and ask for directions. You, you with me, guys? You just don't do that. You know, it's just, you just keep driving till you find the place. Well, with the little GPS, it just tells you where to go. And so we're just making a simple little thing from the church to the little hotel thing. Well, it was hilarious because we're coming off the freeway in the Clarion Hotel where the, where the thing was was on our right or on our left. And Sam goes, well, that's the hotel. And I said, well, the GPS says we got another 500 feet. And I'm just like fixed. And he goes, I know, but that's the hotel. And he just kept on going straight. And I'm like, I don't know, it says 500 feet. And all of a sudden we see all these people doing U-turns. You know, the, the directions we had took us to the McDonald's. It didn't take us to the Clarion Hotel. And I thought, okay, you know, uh, must have been a tight budget for the wedding here. We're going to have the reception at McDonald's. But no, it was at the Clarion Hotel, and it was very nice. But the GPS told us to go somewhere. And see, sometimes wisdom would say, well, yeah, it's going to be at the hotel. It's not going to be at the, the, the McDonald's. So just go there. Don't listen to this. Okay? So you, you have to learn sometimes through the proven experience of others. Uh, with, uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve says this, There is a way that seems right to a man. It seems right. You're doing, hey, this is where it's telling me to go. But the end doesn't lead to death unless you eat a lot of Big Macs. But that's what the scripture says. But in the end, it will lead to death. There's a way in this world that looks right to our human eye, to our natural eye. It just makes logical sense. This is what we're supposed to do. And so sometimes we just go with that. And God's saying, no, I don't want you to do what seems logical. I'm a big God, and I want you to do something different. And so we need to be tapped into his wisdom and his leading in our lives, because our tendency is not toward wisdom as fallen men. Our tendency is toward what? Foolishness. Our hearts are wicked and evil. And if you just follow your natural instincts through life, you'll find that many things that look good ended you up in a making a miserable choice, a bad choice. So in order to succeed in life, you need wisdom. The Bible clearly tells us that. And Proverbs shows us how to get it and how to apply it to our lives. And that's what we're going to be looking at for the next six weeks. It's very practical. You're not going to find a lot of theological statements in the book of Proverbs. They're just not there. You're not going to find a lot of begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. That's not there. There's not really a lot of 
obscure philosophical ideas in the book of Proverbs. It's very, very practical. And so simply verse after verse, page after page, it's straightforward, practical wisdom. And that's why we want to take six weeks out of our summer and look at it. Well, what is wisdom? The definition of wisdom, what is it? I kind of came up with this, just a combination of, of a bunch of different people who were defining wisdom and dictionaries and whatnot. But I said, wisdom is the ability to make good decisions based on the principles found in God's Word as believers. That's how we're going to define wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions based upon the principles found in God's Word. Someone said, well, I don't necessarily agree with that definition because I think wisdom is not just making good decisions based upon God's word, but it's also acting upon those decisions. And I'm thinking, okay, well, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs here because if you're wise, you're not going you're, you're to act upon your decisions. You're not going to look at the situation and say, well, I'm wise and I know what to do, but I guess I'm not going to do it. I mean, that wouldn't be a wise person, right? So if you have wisdom, you're going to act upon the decision that you make. I mean, that's part of it. Um, If you know the right thing to do, what is that called? That's called intelligence, right? If you do the right thing, that's called wisdom. That's the difference. So there's, and there is a big difference there. I remember in school, we had a lot of guys who were very intelligent and boy, they could rattle verses off and they could recite texts and do all sorts of things. But when it came down to practical wisdom and how to deal with people and how to just, you know, they had not. They were just like a walking textbook and all they could do is regurgitate information. We had a one, one guy in our preaching class one time that uh, he, he, uh, he had kind of an odd name. His last name was Snodgrass. He was just kind of a different kind of a guy, and he had the room next to me, and he had his own room. Most guys had to bunk with somebody, but somehow he got his own room. And uh, I remember many nights sitting at my desk, which faced his room, and there were just fold-out desks kind of a thing, and uh, sitting there. And he was in my class, and he was a year ahead of me. And I remember hearing him going over his sermon every night. And he'd be, you know, just over there, just preaching his heart out to himself. And in my, to myself, I thought, what is... So I remember one day I went over there, and I said, what exactly are you doing? I mean, you keep on going over the same stuff. Oh, he goes, I'm memorizing it. And I'm like, well, didn't they say that's probably not the best thing? To, no, he goes, that's, what I, that's how I do everything. I just memorize everything. I said, okay. And I, I was, he was in his room, and, and I looked at his notes, and I mean, he had like, okay, hit pulpit here. Smile here. I mean, literally. And he's trying to memorize all this stuff. I'm thinking, this isn't going to work. And it didn't. The poor guy got in front of the class, and, you know, for his big final thing. It's on videotape, and, you know, he got up there, and I don't know what happened. He kind of got disheveled, and his papers were whatever, and, and it went downhill from there real quick. I mean, he was, you know, hitting himself in the head. He was doing all you know, hit himself here. He was doing all sorts of things. It just didn't make any sense. It was just silly. And I thought, you know, that probably wasn't too wise. He didn't heed the advice of the professor that said, you know, don't try to memorize. Just get up there and naturally deliver whatever your personality is. He was trying to be somebody he wasn't. Well, the definition of wisdom is the ability to make good decisions based upon principles found in God's word. If you know the right thing to do and you choose to do it, then you're wise. And as you develop wisdom in our lives, as we develop, as we grow in our belief and we grow in our understanding of God and his word, you're going to see what a difference it makes. Think about it. When you were first a brand new Christian, 
and some of the things that you did, quote, witnessing to your family, or whatever it might have been. I mean, you just maybe came on too hard, too fast. Maybe just blew them out of the water. Maybe you had no tact at all when you, you know, well, if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell and that's it. You know, that's probably not the best way to share the gospel with somebody. And over years, you've learned and you've applied God's wisdom and you've realized, okay, yeah, we need to speak the truth, but we need to speak it in what? We need to speak it in love, in grace. And we need people to understand that, you know, we're not just going to shout at them all the time. We need them to understand that we're not perfect. We're, we're just sinners who are forgiven by a gracious God, and they can have that forgiveness too. So you're going to see the difference that wisdom makes in your life as you apply it and as you grow in it. But there's also several benefits. And I kind of just went through the first nine chapters in, in, in Proverbs, and I found ten benefits. And these are just kind of, we're just going to go over these quickly, of wisdom. And uh, we're going to be looking at these in the, in the future coming weeks under different subject matter. But for the most part, I just want to kind of go over these in, a, in an overview fashion. Ten benefits of wisdom. Uh, and they all begin with P, which is kind of interesting. The first one is perception. Wisdom gives you an accurate perception of life. You say, what do I mean? Well, if you turn to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be what? Pleasant to your soul. It gives you the proper perception of life. It allows you to make the right decisions. Secondly, it prevents certain things. It offers prevention. Wisdom will prevent you from engaging in self-destructive behavior. In Proverbs 2.12, it says, Wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked man. It will save you from the adulteress in 2.16. In 3.23, it says, Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. If you have wisdom. So those are some things that wisdom is actually going to prevent in your life. I mean, how many of us want to self-destruct? Not too many. There's not too many people that just want to self-destruct. They want to try to improve their life. Well, if you have wisdom, that helps you to do it. It protects you from things. Uh, wisdom will prolong your life. The Bible clearly says that in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years. And it makes practical sense. Would it be wise to go out and play in the middle of uh, 680? Probably wouldn't be the wisest thing to do, to go play tag with the cars as they're speeding by. I mean, you're not going to live very long, okay? So, in a way, when you apply wisdom to your life, it it will prolong your life. In chapter 3, verse 8, it says, This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Verse 16, same chapter, says, Long life is in her right hand. Her refers to wisdom in the book of Proverbs, just so you know that. And even in chapter 9, verse 11, it says, For though me your days, for though, for through me your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. You know, some, some people say, Well, how many years are you talking about here? <laughs> how many years are going to be added to my life if I live a wise life? Uh, well, I mean, one simple answer is they've done studies that if people who live a less stressful life live longer, that's just a matter of fact. Uh, it reduces stress when you apply wisdom to your life. It probably lowers your blood pressure. 
Um, so it, how many years, I don't know, but it definitely does. It offer, also offers you peace. In 317, it says, Her ways, wisdom, are pleasant, and all her paths are peaceful. When you lie down, in verse 24 of chapter 3, it says, You will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. So it gives you a kind of a peace in life when you have the wisdom of God applied. Also, prosperity, believe it or not. In verse 2 of chapter 3, it says, Wisdom will prolong your your life many years and bring you prosperity. Verse 16, long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. I mean, Proverbs says a lot about the connection between wisdom and wealth. You know, a lot of wealthy people aren't just wealthy because they're wealthy. They're wealthy because they have some wisdom. They have some ability to maintain their riches. Also, it gives you a poise. Have you ever seen someone who's kind of uncomfortable in a certain situation and, and you know, you, you just feel bad for them? <clears throat> well, we're not talking here about a arrogance or whatever, that you're in control all the time. But in chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, it says, Have no fear of sudden disaster, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your feet from being snared. What a great verse to apply when you're in a situation. Boy, I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? It says very clearly, you know what? Don't be fearful. Just trust in God. He'll, he'll get you through it. And then seventhly, protection, wisdom keeps you safe. Chapter 4, verse 6 says, For Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you, love her, and she will watch over you. Precision is another thing. Wisdom gives you the ability to take the right number of steps, not just in the right direction, but at the right pace. In verse 12 of chapter 4, it says, When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. It's kind of an important thing in life to not be stumbling all over the place. The ninth thing I see here is in verse chapter 8, verse 12, it says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. I think if it wasn't for Dana Carvey and President Bush, the word prudent probably wouldn't even have been around today. Remember that little thing? You are not going to do that. Wouldn't be prudent, you know that thing. I mean, it, it's but that's what that means. It's prudence. The word prudent, you know, appears more than a dozen times in the Book of Proverbs. It means cautious. It means applying discretion to a situation. It, it simply means having some good sense about a situation. And wisdom will help you exercise caution when you need to exercise caution. And it gives you a sense to hold back when you, when you need to hold back. I possess knowledge and discretion, it says, when wisdom dwell together with prudence in 8.12. And then the last one, wisdom pays. It says in chapter 9, verse 12, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. Your wisdom will reward you. Now think about it. Peace, confidence, a longer life, prosperity, understanding, a good sense, sense of direction, a sense of protection. And on top of that, it, you, you have everything when you have wisdom. It rewards you even besides those things. Wisdom is definitely needed and it's definitely worth having. So hopefully, you're ready to say, you know what? Yeah, I, 
this is, this is going to be fun. I, I want to see what God's wisdom will do for me these next six weeks. Um, but how do we get started? One question. Turn over to chapter 9, verse 12 in the book of Proverbs. We see wisdom's needed, we know what it is, we know it comes from God, but how, how do we get started in this? Well, you start on the path to wisdom by putting God first. It says there, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. I mean, that's wisdom at its most basic level. If you don't have a proper respect, a proper fear for God, you're not going to have wisdom. You're just not. Because He is the source of wisdom. The wisest thing you'll ever do is basically to place God at the proper place in your life. Put God first. Specifically, allow Christ to be the Lord of your life. That's what he desires. And that's where the path to wisdom begins. If we're not there, if we don't cross, start at that point, then we're all going to be off on, on different paths. So wisdom starts with putting Christ first in your life, putting God first in your life. And once you do that, then you're, then you're on the right foundation and you, we can go from there. And I think that that's just important to, to state that. Well, let's look at Proverbs chapter 1 and we'll just see in way of introductory this morning where we can go with first couple verses here. We're not going to go through this verse by verse, so don't panic. <laughs> But it says there in verse 1, it says, chapter 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. The text gives it to us that way. Uh, The statement narrows our attention to the author, who is Solomon, King Solomon, who was third, basically, in the, the, the great king of Israel, during the period known as when they had the kingdom united. They had a kingdom divided. Well, this was during the United Kingdom period. And the word proverb there basically means to represent something in place of many words. It has the idea of comparison or similarity. Um, It's filled with wise saying, the book of Proverbs is. Short little pithy sayings that are are very practical to life. It's basically a book of godly advice. And as you look through the book of Proverbs, you're going to see that it's not necessarily a book you just kind of read through. I mean, you can do that. But almost every sentence, almost every verse is is kind of a nugget of truth. Uh, And so the contents of the book are just loaded down with these little capsules of truth, you might say. And they have, uh, you know, just... Helpful sayings on every page that provide benefits to us. But these little sayings are, a lot of times they're made in in what they call couplets. Um, And the first first one, basically, just the way the grammar works in this, is called a contrastive couplet. And it's always linked, these little sayings are linked by the key, key term, but... B-U-T. They're comprised of two parts different from one another. 
An example is if you look at Proverbs 13.1. It says, a wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Okay, that's contrastive couplet. That's, that's the way it works. 13.18 says, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. But, see it once again, he who regards reproof will be honored. That's one form of the comparison here that he uses. Another one, the second one, is uh, uh, complete of couplets. Complete of couplets. And it's, it's basically using the terms are and or so. And so there's an example there in 14.10. The heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. Another example is in 16.3. It says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. All right. So these are kind of, they, they, they complete the whole, the whole idea. And then the, the last one is comparative couplet. And they use the terms better than or like so. Um, we're we're going to see a lot of those. In, in verse uh, 15, 16, it says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Or in twenty five twenty four it says, It's better to live in the corner of a roof than in the house shared with a contentious woman. Twenty five twenty five says, Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. So you, you see how grammatically the book is put together. So it's not a book that you necessarily just sit down and, and just kind of you know read through chapter after chapter after chapter because you're probably going to be overwhelmed with the truth that you find. And it's going to be hard to do it that way. So usually, you know, if you take one chapter a day or something like that, you can kind of glean certain things from each chapter. But it deals mostly with the horizontal plane, what we deal with when we deal with each other. Jay Adams, one time, he wrote out a, a diagram, and he has these diagrams, and it's basically man's four most common approaches to problem solving. And Jay Adams is a Christian psychologist, and he said the first one is the person skirts the problem as if it doesn't exist. Just ignores the problem. That's how they deal with it. Secondly, the person glances off the real problem and manufactures a less painful substitute problem. In other words, you got this problem, rather than deal with that, they're going to kind of run into it, and then they bounce over here, and they change the subject, and they're off on another problem. They're not dealing with the original problem. Thirdly, he says the person comes up to the problem, and then he just turns around and runs. <laughs> you ever been to those kind of problems? I have. You know, the problem just looks too big, and it's just like, man, you just turn around and run. And the last way a person deals with the problem is he pushes his way through the problem until a solution is reached. Well, that's what the book of Proverbs helps us do. The book of Proverbs is going to help us. It's going to provide the counsel we need, the information we need, to make our way straight through problems in life if we heed the wisdom that it gives. It props up our courage. It puts us before the goal. It keeps in our minds the way of life, Proverbs 6.23 says. So it's kind of an important thing to realize that we're going to be dealing with problems as we go through the book of Proverbs, but they're going to be real-life problems in our life. How, who, who we get counsel from. What's our heart like? How do we deal with the workplace? How do we deal with our spouse? Different relational things are going to come up. Well, the purpose of the book, we see in verses 2 to 6 of Proverbs chapter 1. 
And he says there, simply, to know wisdom and instruction. First purpose is to give reverence and obedience to the heart. Um, the term wisdom conveys the thought of bringing God into proper focus. Have you ever had a camera that's out of focus? Or have you ever had a, my glasses that I wear once in a while, they have a chip on the bottom. I just dropped them and they, part of it chipped off. But when I look now through it, it's, it's kind of blurry. Not that I'm looking through the chip, but it's just, it's just not focused. My eye wants to focus on the chip and it just makes my vision very blurry. Well, wisdom wants to develop our focus when it comes to God's word. Seeing life from his point of view, not ours. And the wisdom will develop that fear of the Lord, not a sense of you know, terror, we're not talking about cowering in the presence of the Lord, but a reverence for God and a respect. Um, that's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the way of Proverbs, the man is given, through the, the book of Proverbs, is given steps which lead to an obedient life. We're going to see different areas that we have to line our lives up with the wisdom that we receive. So the first point there is to give reverence and obedience to the heart. The second one is to provide discernment to the eye. Look at what it says uh, following there in verse 2. It says, not only to know wisdom and instruction, but also to perceive the words of understanding. All right, That word discern there has the idea of separating and distinguishing things. Discerning the difference. I was down at the coffee shop the other day, and the new owner put up these, this artwork. And it's kind of this modern, it just looks like somebody threw paint on a canvas, you know, one of those deals. And so my friend Don, who's the police officer, ex-police officer, retired police officer, he was sitting across from me, and, and uh, the one lady that came in, she's a school teacher, well, it's her nephew's artwork that's on the wall. okay. And uh, I know that because she came in and she was talking to somebody else and saying, oh, yeah, this is my nephew's house. Oh, yeah, it's kind of nice. You know. and so Don comes in and he sits down. And um, one of this, these older, this older gentleman came in and uh, he hadn't been there for about five weeks. He was visiting his relatives in Greece. So it was his first day back. So everybody, how are you doing? How, are you doing? how do you like the paint? You know, the owner painted it and put some stuff up on the walls. And he's looking around. It's like, oh, that's... Interesting. And so this school teacher said, what do you think of the artwork? You know. And uh, so he kind of said, oh, that's interesting. Don goes, well, it looks kind of, you know. And so he started, you know, I'm like, don't, don't, don't do it, you know. I'm kind of trying to catch his eye, you know. He goes, well, it doesn't look like something they put much work in. It looks like something just threw some stuff up there on the canvas, you know. And, uh, and she was, the school teacher was fine with it, you know. She was like, yeah, I don't really care for it either. But I, I told them, I said, you know, I can't really say anything. I'm colorblind, and I have no perception of what you people are seeing. I have no discernment of these different colors that you're pulling out of this. Because she's saying, well, don't you see the two people on the park bench? Don't you see the little dog, you know, drinking? I said, I don't see any of that. You know, nobody else did either, so I don't know what she was looking at. But anyway, you know, that's what it does. It provides discernment. Wisdom provides discernment to the eye so that we can separate and that we can distinguish certain things. Uh, it's associated with the thought of going into something for the purpose of distinguishing truth from error. Pulling the, the truth out of a massive error. First um, Kings 3.9 makes mention of that. So it, it gives discernment to the eye. The third thing 
is that it helps us develop alertness in our walk. And that's what he says there in verse 3. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. The term receives is a word that suggests action or mobility, you might say. It has the idea that you're, you're, you're moving. Um, it's a term associating with plucking grapes and taking them with you as you walk through the field. In this instance, it's talking about instruction, that is to be picked off the vine of God's divine wisdom and, and taken with you. You don't want to just take the wisdom, look at it, and go, wow, that looks great, and, and drop it on the ground. You want to apply it to your life. So it allows you that alertness in life to understand when you're walking through life, God has provided certain things for you to to learn from. And Solomon's suggestion here is that when one is moving into a, especially a godless environment, you better remain alert. You better remain free from the corruption. And you can do that if you pick up this instruction as we go through the book of Proverbs. Uh, Also, in in verse 4, it says to establish discretion and purpose in life. It says to give prudence, there's that word again, to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. Two kinds of people are identified here. The naive, those who are simple. Those who are just kind of open about things. They're easily deceived. They're enticed. And then the young are those who are kind of between birth and marriage age, children, adolescents, young adults, you might say. And Solomon is saying that his Proverbs can provide prudence for these folks. Literally, the ability to get down to the bare facts and issues, to be crafty, to be sharp, to be shrewd, to make sure you're making the proper decisions and discretions in life. And, you know, when you're naive, sometimes you make stupid decisions, right? I mean, you just don't know any better. I remember when I was in college, I used to go down and get yogurt at this place called the Yogurt Mill in El Cajon. It was the first year I had my car, and I'm driving down, I forget the main street there, but um, coming back to the college with my yogurt and by myself and see this lady hitchhiking and, and I thought, yeah, she shouldn't be hitchhiking. That's not probably not a good area to be hitchhiking. You know? So I go around the block and stop. And where are you going? Well, you guess what she was. I mean, she, she was not just hitchhiking, okay? And, um, but I didn't, I didn't even know that. I mean, she got in my car. She's like, where are you going? I said, well, where are you going? I'll give you a ride. Where are you going to go? You know, I said, I'm going to the college. She goes, what college? You go to the Christian college up there. She goes, oh, you go to the Christian college? I go, yeah. She goes, oh, you can drop me off the next block. I said, all right. And that was it, okay? So... Weirdest thing, the next day I'm driving down there with my buddy, and we're coming back from the yoga mat. Oh, they said girl again. It's like, what girl? What are you talking, you know, and he's a year older than me or whatever. And um, I said, why well, gave her a ride? He goes, you gave her a ride? And I'm like, well, yeah, she needed a ride. And I think she's kind of stupid out there hitchhiking by herself. You know, the sun's going. It's like, dude, she's, you know, she's a lady of the night. She's, you know, she walks, she's there every day. I'm like, you mean she's a prostitute? Yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness. And, uh, you know, but it totally, just went over my head. And I still didn't even really believe the guy. The next day, I went down, there she is again. I thought, okay, now I believe, you know. But it was just, it, I was naive. I didn't know. And so sometimes when we're naive, we just make stupid decisions. That could land us in a lot of harm if God's direct hand was not <laughs> there, which it was. So 
But that's, that's one thing that we need to, to be aware of is as we're younger, as we're naive, maybe even in our faith, sometimes we come to Christ and we're a brand new Christian and we're very naive. So if somebody else says they're a Christian, well, we just think, well, yeah, they're a Christian too. We don't know. We don't know any better. And so sometimes they may be teaching error or they may be, you know, in a cult or who knows what. Um, and we don't have the ability to discern. Well, wisdom gives us that ability. And so the recipient of Proverbs is helped to see between the lines. We we're able to discern those things. We gain discretion in the purposes in life. And then the last thing there is to cultivate a keenness of mind. And we see that in verse 6. It says to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and riddles. All right? To understand a proverb. It gives us the ability to kind of be keen of mind, to understand what God's word is saying. Remember, Solomon is inspired, every word in God's word is inspired by who? The Holy Spirit, right? And so Solomon believed that the student of his writings and the Proverbs would cultivate the ability to see into life, to grasp its significance and understand its different figures and enigmas, whatever might come up. And when you apply God's wisdom to your life, you have a definite advantage in this situation. How many times as a believer have you been in a situation where, you know, maybe it's an interview, maybe it's whatever, and something in your heart just says, you know, I'm not going to, you know, go that route with this person, or I'm not going to say this. Or There's just a check in your spirit. And, and for whatever reason, maybe you turn down the job, or for whatever reason, you, you, you move on to another house to rent, or, or whatever it might be. And then in the end, it was like, wow, God... You know, you look back on that and somehow God supernaturally spared you from a lot of pain and agony. And, and that's having the wisdom to hear the voice of God in your heart and your life. And the way he speaks to us is through his spirit, but through his word. And so as we go through the book of Proverbs, we're going to learn a lot of different things about the wisdom of God. And as we apply that to our lives, we're going to see, we're going to have a, a lot more keen sense about us. We're not just going to be some naive guy that's out there going, Ugh. And that's kind of an important point. Well, the goal of the whole book, basically, is in verses 7 to 9. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. Your father, your father, your father. You're also going to hear the phrase, your mother. Okay? over and over and over again. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains around your neck. And that's not a negative kind of chain that holds you down. And, and, and you know, It's not like you're a dog. That's not what it's saying. But it's, it's kind of like an a, a ornament or a, a wreath that was worn in a race and they're around your neck. It, it's showing they're constantly there. You're, you're seeing them. You're gaining wisdom and instruction from them. And so basically the goal of the book is to take the fear of God and the wisdom that we get from our fathers and our mothers and blend it all together and to put it around our necks so that we can, when we walk around uh, in life, that we constantly have that wisdom at our disposal. And that's kind of the goal, will be the goal of our study. And so we can see over and over and over again when we, we look in the book of Proverbs, certain things will just kind of jump out. 
For example, look at verse 10. Very practical, very, very practical uh, advice here. He says, my son, remember, it's kind of a father talking to his son. If sinners entice you, in other words, if sinners say, hey, come on, let's go do this, and you know it's sin and you know it's wrong. If they entice you, what's he say? Do not consent. In other words, don't go there. And he follows up, verse 11, he says, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. You know, this past week with the uh, Meserly trial and the the uh, plea and all, or the the the, uh, the finding and everything, and you see everything that's going on in Oakland. You know they had a lot of people out there that were from churches. They had a lot of people out there that were from youth groups, and well, we're not going to allow this rioting to take place, and we're going to stand our ground or whatever. But you know what? Mob mentality takes over, and you know it's a sad thing when it happens, and it has nothing to do with the color of somebody's skin. It has to do with exactly what we're saying here when people come along and say, hey, hey, they got, they got sneakers. They got Nike sneakers in that footlocker. And it's probably owned by, hey, let's just bust down the doors and take them. And pretty soon you see one going through and you two, and then the whole store is emptied. And everybody's just standing around watching it. That's exactly what he's saying will happen if you consent, if you, if you just give them an ear, you know, um, I mean, it, wouldn't it break your heart to find out your kid was the guy in the video breaking through the, the, the Foot Locker store to get a pair of sneakers? I mean, good night. Well, you know, it's not that he should be there and just stay strong and don't participate. He shouldn't even be there. See, that's, that's the idea. And that's what we have to kind of lay out before us as we walk through the book of Proverbs. God wants us step by step, it says. He's going to show us how to walk. He's going to show us how to walk circumspectly. He's going to make sure that we, we do what's right in his eyes, not just in our own. And when we do that, we're going to be protected and we're going to reap all those benefits. So that's going to be in the weeks to come. So hopefully that gives you a little groundwork for the book of Proverbs. And like I said, I would encourage you to go home even this afternoon and start reading through the book of Proverbs. We're not going to go through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're just going to go through it more topically just for six weeks. So we're not barely even going to scratch the surface. But I guarantee you that you'll gain a lot. It's an easy book to read. It's simple to apply to your life. And I know that you would just have a good time reading it. So um, I encourage you to do that. Well, let's stand and uh, we'll close in a word of prayer and a song. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you would lead us and guide us in the coming weeks in your path of wisdom. Father, help us to know uh, which path to take and also what step to make and when to make it and how fast to move and what to say and where to say it. And, and Lord, we just ask that your wisdom would be applied to every area of our life. And Lord, we pray this morning that your word is very clear. The beginning of wisdom is, or the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, Father, we pray that we would all start together on that common ground, that we would come to you in faith, acknowledging you as our Lord and Savior and trusting in you for the forgiveness of our sins. And Father, that's, that's the very basic baby step that has to be made 
before we can tap into God's wisdom. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just uh, uh, help us to do that. And, uh, Lord, we pray for each one here this morning. Um, Father, if there's someone here who hasn't trusted you, I pray that they would cry out to you and that you would hear their, their cry. And, Lord, that you would forgive them of their sin and that they would repent and turn to you. Lord, we ask that you would bless us this week as we go throughout the week. Lord, help us to apply the things that we learn and continue to uh, uh, grow in areas of faith in our lives. And Father, help us to take the message of hope and the gospel that Christ forgives to a lost and dying world who is really without hope, without that message. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.